I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, I'm Tanya Sam, and welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Today's guest is the executive vice president and the chief marketing officer of the Atlanta Hawks, as well as State Farm Arena. She is a dear friend, and she also oversees the day-to-day marketing of team brands in the arena, including marketing strategy, marketing operations, social media, promotions, and the Hawks studios. Welcome to the podcast, my dear friend, Melissa Proctor. Melissa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here with you today. Well, I'm so excited to have you here because I have been truly inspired by your journey from ball girl all the way up to running, you know, executive VP for the Hawks, State Farm Arena, and you do so much for the Atlanta community. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. And I'm so excited to share your journey. Awesome. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning. Um, tell us a little of bit about how you got your start in the NBA as a black woman, a woman of color, working in the C-suites in the NBA, your journey and trajectory is going to be so inspiring to our audience. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I never thought that I would ever be CMO of an NBA team. And if you ask me what I want to be when I grow up, I still have no idea. Um, (laughs) I love that. I say that all the time. Um, But when I was 15 years old, I was an artist. You know, growing up, I loved art, drawing, and painting. I went to magnet schools. I'm from Miami originally. So for middle school, high school, really focused on the arts. 
And when I was around 15, I remember asking my mom to get a job Mm because all my friends were getting retail jobs or working at the movie theater. And I told my mom and she said, well, you know, Melissa, she's from Belize originally. My father's from Jamaica. So hardcore West Indian vibes. She said, you can only get a job and whatever you want to do for the rest of your life. And I told her then at 15 years old, I wanted to be the first female coach in the NBA because I would watch Miami Heat games with a cousin of mine. And I never saw any women when I would watch the games. And so mm-hmm. I thought that my way in would be being the head coach. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, Melissa, go get a job in the NBA. And I don't even know if she really knew what that was. She was a nurse, you know, like this was not <laughs> at all her worldview. I knew no one had never been to a professional sporting event. Wow. Had never, like, I had no connections whatsoever. And so when she said, go do it, she laid down the gauntlet. And I started writing letters to the Miami Heat. I would draw on the letters to try to stand out. I would call you know, like literally yellow pages way back in the day. Uh, got an operator. Oh my got gosh, connected this is with amazing. Community relations. Then he connected me with the equipment manager. And the, the, he finally like picked up my call one day and said, I only have ball boys. I don't know what you would do. You know? And I was like, well, I'm willing to try. Let me, you know, tell me what I could do. And so he really tried to discourage me a little bit. And he was like, you know, it's grunge work. It's coming early, staying late. It's mopping up sweat, folding towels. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't pay. And I was so- Okay, that's not that a strong point. selling point. No option. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't care. I still want to do it. And so one day he called me in to go to my first preseason game, um, ever set foot in Miami Arena. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and back then there were no women referees. Uh, women weren't allowed in the locker room. And so I had to work on the court. I didn't know how to rebound. Had never played basketball a day in my life. Oh, wow. Like that part is so funny to me. Um, You know, I thought you were were a basketball fanatic. That was the very first day that I started my career in sports. And once I began working as then a ball girl, it was politically incorrect. So they re-termed it team attendant. Um, And our team owners had two kids, a girl and a boy. And so Nick Arison, who's now running things for the Miami Heat, was a ball boy at the time. And his sister, Kelly, would sit on the sidelines with her parents. So once I started, she ended up joining me on the court. Look at that. We became the first ball girls on the court ever for the Miami Heat. I mean, Melissa, what I love so much about this story is like you actually changed the trajectory of women in the NBA at all levels. You know, there were no ball girls at the time. Even the owner's daughter was sitting on the side of the court lines. Like, that's just incredible. You must be so proud. You know, it's so interesting because at the time, I don't think I had any context to what that meant. I was just so excited to have a chance to be on the court and still, you know, learn about the game of basketball. Because at the time, I genuinely wanted to be a head coach. Yeah. So I would watch Pat Riley call plays and I would he would have this like blue notebook. He would call the plays in and timeouts and I would collect all the papers at the end of the game <laughs> and have a binder. Had no clue what I was looking at, but yeah. I just knew one day I was going to achieve that goal. And so I think it was the Heat magazine did a story on women making their way on the court. And I think that was the first time I actually had the the knowledge. I'm like, wow, this is actually a pretty big deal. So what happened next? You worked as a ball girl, or they mm-hmm. called it a team attendant, um, okay. for how many years? And how did you slowly work your way into the ranks of the C-suites in the office? You know, what's crazy is like, I told you, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up even now, <laughs> but at the time I wanted to be that coach. And so, so I... Did that for the rest of my high school years. And I ended up learning about Wake Forest University from someone who worked for the Heat at the time. And so I got an art scholarship to attend Wake. And so I left Miami altogether and moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Major cultural difference. Major cultural difference. 
Salem, um, but it was awesome. And every summer in college, I would go back to Miami to volunteer with the Heat and in any capacity. It could be with putting together scouting reports, taking players for draft workouts. Um, one of the years, the summers uh, while I was in college, the Miami Soul was launched, a WNBA team mm-hmm. that, the, that Miami had for a while. And so I got to help work on that one summer. But I just knew that ultimately I learned that I probably wouldn't ever coach, especially if I never played the game. But my senior year of college, I remember I decided I wanted to work for the NBA. And so I applied for a management training program I'm at the NBA's headquarters. I had uh, Pat Riley and Alonzo Mourning write letters of recommendation. Like it was my job. Okay, I have to pause you there. Were you still coloring on your resume at this point to get noticed? (laughs) Because I feel like that worked. There was a a lot of originality in that. I didn't do that for that particular (laughs) role, but I did something cool for another one. So I applied for that program and I did my interviews and I met with the NBA folks. I thought it was my job. And they called me back and said, we love you. You come highly recommended. However, we are a business and you're too creative for us. And so they denied me the opportunity to be a part of the NBA. And I was crushed. That must have been heartbreaking. Exactly. And I was a communications major at Wake. And so when all else fails, you just stay in school. I figured, hey, I'll just get my master's. I'll stay at Wake. It'll be fine. And then I met with the head of the communications program, who I knew very well. And he said, Melissa, this feels like a crutch for you. And we think you're destined for bigger and better things. We're not going to allow you this crutch. So we're going to deny you entry into our grad school program. So I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. And then a woman in the comm department, her name was Beth Hutchins, never forget her. She said, Melissa, I just heard about an internship at Turner Broadcasting. I didn't know what Turner Broadcasting was, being from Miami. So she explained about all the brands. And all it said was, send us your talent in a project. And I was so intrigued by that creative brief. And wow. So I ended up designing a TV guide. They called it a T3 TV guide, all about myself and my brand. And I made myself a Powerpuff girl with locks and holding a briefcase. Um, I created ads for myself as a ball girl for NBA on TNT. I made myself Cleopatra uh, in a okay, class. You movie. are incredible. It was interesting because I had no idea what I was doing, but I got so involved in the creative process of just making this cool application that I didn't even care if I got the job or not. I just loved what I'd created. It had writing samples. I put all of my artwork in it. And ultimately I got a call back from TNT marketing and they said, you sold yourself so well to us. We think you would do an amazing job of selling our content to consumers. And that's actually how I got my first marketing job ever. Yay! Um, so I left Wake Forest and came to Atlanta for the first time. Didn't know anyone here. And I started working at Turner Broadcasting So and had no thoughts of coming back to sports, actually. I was in entertainment for about 11 years. Wow. What I love about this, and I, I really hope this resonates with our Money Moves audience, is your drive and perseverance. Whether you were 15 and you were like, I'm going to knock on every door, I'm going to go through the yellow pages to find contacts to reach out to. And even, you know, when you were getting hits, well, this might not be you, this might not be for you. You went above and beyond every time to achieve your goals. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Well, thank you. And, And I think what I've learned for myself over time is I didn't know what branding was. I never took a branding class in college. And the thing that I've consistently done, whether it was for the heat drawing on those envelopes or making that magazine is I branded myself and differentiated what mm-hmm. I did to stand out from the others. And so now, even as CMO of the Atlanta Hawks, people are like, I want to work in marketing. What can I do? And they're submitting a resume that looks like the same template resume, you know, in Microsoft Word. And I'm like, say that again. <laughs> say that you, know, you want to market the Atlanta Hawks, but if you're not marketing you first and foremost, how do I have faith that you'll be able to market 
this team or this organization. And so it's a very core difference, but I've realized that over time that it definitely is a differentiator. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so years at Turner, working in marketing, you learned how to sell. You learned how to like push a product to other people. How did you make the transition to the Hawks and back to your dream of being a part of the NBA? Very interesting story. So after my first year at Turner as an intern, 
I decided I wanted to go to graduate school. And so I actually quit Turner um, and moved to London for a year. I went to Central St. Martin's College of Art and Design to really focus on brand strategy because that became my passion. I um, mean, after my year in grad school in London, I moved back to Atlanta and worked at Turner in a number, number of roles from business strategy, consumer insights, media trends, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, you name it, I did it. Um, helped to rebrand Court TV to True TV is my first big brand strategy project. And then the final position that I had at Turner was part of a digital health and wellness startup we were launching called Upwave. And it was an interesting idea. I was part of a task force and it became a business unit. And every mentor I had within that company told me not to take that job because historically in launching new digital businesses, Turner wasn't, you know, their core business was cable television and sold in that way. And so it was a very different business. And so the likelihood of success, they didn't think was very strong. I didn't care because I just wanted to learn. Right. And I said, you know, for me, I've worked for every other brand. I just want to do this. And so we launched this amazing brand about six months after the brand was off the ground. I think at the time I was eight months pregnant with my daughter, Marley. Um, our CEO at the time left the company. And then the chief financial officer of our parent company came in to take over. Little did anyone know at the time they were preparing to sell. And so we were the last business started in the first one cut. Oh, and so myself, no. our entire team, I got laid off. Being there 11 years, I started as an intern. I left as a vice president of content and marketing for this startup. Um, and so for the first time in my career, since like actually 15 years old, I had no job, no clue what I was going to do, but I knew I had to have a kid because right? I <laughs> and you had to feed this child. I had some severance. So I said, you know what, let me focus on this part and then we'll figure out the other part. And then literally two months after I had my daughter as a fan, because I'm still a big basketball fan, yep. I went to Phillips Arena for a draft party uh, with a girlfriend of mine just to go check it out. And I was there and I ran into Steve Coonan, who was the president of TNT when I was an intern moving, like when I first moved to Atlanta. I love and During this. that internship year, I forgot to mention, I made no money as an intern. So I called my old boss from the Heat who called someone at the Hawks. So my first year in Atlanta, I was actually a ball girl on the court for the Hawks as well mopping up sweat in Phillips Arena. And so he would see me sitting courtside, mopping up sweat, and then would see me working on brand strategy projects over time. Ran into him at this event. And he said, hey, I want to introduce you to people. Introduces me to most of the senior team at the time. And they're all like, oh, we can't wait for you to start. Wow. And I was like, start what? And you know, at the end of the night, he was like, hey, I might need some help building a brand. Would you mind sitting in on some meetings? I know you do creative, you have a creative background. They were in the process of designing some uniforms, talking about their brand story. And I was so excited. I was like, sure, I'll be happy to. You're like, and I would so do, you, I, and this is what I want people to understand because your story has got so many subtle gems in there. We're talking about tenacity, you know, volunteering your time and adding value sometimes without pay, but over a long period of time and the network that it builds, you know, and I, I liken it sometimes to nursing. Like nursing wasn't a glamorous job, right? Like we wipe butts, you were cleaning sweat off a floor, but people saw that you were doing it. You were passionate about it and years later they're like i still want to work with you you know was, i the biggest thing that i would always say people are like why were you successful at turner i would always raise my hand to take on the jobs yep. no one else wanted and that was my thing and so I, I volunteered my time sat in on a couple meetings and after around four or five meetings he was like maybe i sh you should be a consultant maybe we should pay you a little bit and i was like okay cool and then maybe uh, about six or seven months later i came on board as a vice president of brand strategy for the hawks and so from that time, you know, the world evolved pretty quickly. We onboarded new ownership. There was a lot that happened within the organization. 
and you know grew into the opportunity for to become chief marketing officer and since then our business has shifted we've partnered with emory and our practice facility we redone the building and now it's state farm arena um like i couldn't have imagined when i came into the atlanta hawks organization that now almost eight years later that this would be where we are as a business or where i am as an executive Wow, Melissa, this is so inspiring. And I feel like I feel your energy. Like I feel the energy of you, the organization. Um, It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Can you share with us where our Money Moves audience can find you on social media so that they can follow you and your journey and also check out the book that you've written? Because we are running out of time for today, but we are having you back on another episode for a deep dive. Awesome. Well, absolutely. So I am on Instagram. That's my best. You can reach me at Melissa M. Proctor, P-R-O-C-T-O-R at Instagram. Or I have a website as well with a lot of you know my artwork, my art pieces, uh, context on my book. And that's at Melissa. It's Melissa M. Proctor um, So anybody feel free to connect with me, LinkedIn as well. Um, and I love it. I'd love to help as many people as I can. I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements lately and really just trying to share all the insights that I've learned in my journey to help inspire or help someone else, especially women and people of color in sports. Well, Melissa, it is such a joy to have you on the podcast. Make sure you check her out on social media. Make sure you pick up her book from ball girl to CMO. It's available on Amazon, everywhere you can buy books. It's truly an inspiring story, but I am also super excited to have you back for another episode on our deep dive. We're going to dig more into what it means to be a CMO in this incredibly exciting industry. So thank you again, Melissa. Thanks for having me. And Money Movers, that's all the time we have for today, but make sure to follow Melissa on all her social media handles. And if we helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge on your social media, and or leaving us a review on Apple Podcast. Make sure to tune in Monday to Friday to Money Moves and subscribe to our podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. 
I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.